Hello and welcome to the Underwater Sunshine Podcast. I am your host, Adam Duritz, and I am here with my friend, your also host, James Campion, remaining. So. So I'm going to play you a song and then we're going to come back and we're going to tell you what the hell we're all about. Yes. Here we go.
Yeah. So that's uh, that's Rosalie Come and Go, which is an outtake from Ryan Adams' album Gold. Uh, one of my favorite things on the record, uh, but it got left off the record. I think it's on a Lost Highway compilation, and and it's on some like bonus track versions of a later of record? gold of gold. Oh, okay. Because like, I had the CD when it first came out. I don't never heard that, and I have the vinyl, and I hadn't heard that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where I had it, and that's me singing on it, which is my favorite one of the background vocals from that record, uh, just because it was such a rave up, and that's. The way I met Ryan, actually, was he came into the Viper Room one night and ended up gumping, jumping up on stage after someone else played and, and, having, and jamming on some songs he had just written. And one of them was Rosalie Come and Go. And on this, he, like, like winks at me over by the bar. I'm behind the bar serving drinks and says, like, gestures to come up. So I, like, climbed out from behind the bar and uh, jumped up on stage and ended up singing backgrounds with him on this song. And we stayed out all night drinking and singing that night. And it was the next day that he asked me to come in and sing on Gold. So the first thing I actually sang with him was Rosalie Come and Go, which didn't make it on the record. Now, I'm on four other things on the record, I think. Touch, Feel, and Lose, Rescue Blues. Uh, God, that's a great record. Maybe Tina Toledo's Street Walking. And, of course, Answering Bell, which was a single. Right. Um, but I have always loved Rosalie Come and Go, and I've always wanted reasons to play it for people because... You know, it wasn't on the record, so people didn't hear it, you know, and uh, it's how Ryan and I met. And I think it just completely, completely rocks. Um, <laughs> it does. Uh, and I, I was turned on by Ryan Adams in a far different way, watching the TV show Felicity with my wife. <laughs> when that was on, they played one of those songs, and my wife and I were like, who the hell is this? And we ran out and got the record, the CD the next day. And then it took me years to find the vinyl, and it's so long that they ended up, it's a double album. Oh, yeah. And there's not a bad song on that record. It's one of the finest, finest records from that period. And it just doesn't surprise me that you were friends with him and sang with him because it's all the kind of stuff that I just loved about Counting Crows and about all the stuff that was going on at the time. Well, as the Bible says, different people come to Ryan Adams in different ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. And that's one way. But we all get there some way, somehow. Um, um, well, welcome to part two, by the way, of all... Lead singers or famous singers or distinct singers uh, backing up other acts. And as a touchstone or as a guidepost, uh, it's uh, my co-host Adam Duritz and his amazing career, I believe, in background vocals. He's on so many disparate styles and artists, Ryan Adams being one of the biggest ones. We played quite a few in the last podcast. And to intersperse that... Uh, my, my idea to, to Adam before we, we started on this madness was to play songs by other famous lead singers and distinct voices. And I would try to not trick him, but challenge him to guess. We did Dusty Springfield singing background on Elton John's song in the last one. I got one here that I don't think anyone's going to get. And it was through my research that I found this. Now, this is a famous, famous song and arguably one of the great songs that Phil Spector produced. And it's a song that Brian Wilson, and I keep mentioning it, but I'm, I'm willing to drop the name anytime I can. When I interviewed Brian Wilson, he said that it was Be My Baby. And these and, and I've, um, you've lost that loving feeling that made him want to write songs. And so here's Be My Baby by the Ronettes. There is a famous female singer singing with the Ronettes here. Because he wanted to fill it out more. Apparently one of the Ronettes was sick or couldn't hit the notes. 
So this young woman, who at the time was 17 years old, sat in and sang on this record. It was the first time she was ever on a record. James is a little OCD about Brian Wilson. When he walks down the street, he has to touch every... Uh, what do you call this? Every uh, parking meter. And every time he touches the parking meter, he skips and says, Brian Wilson. I talked to Brian Wilson Brian once. Wilson. <laughs> Brian Wilson. <laughs> Oh, it's so true. But I'll drop, even though it has nothing to do with this song. Anyway, this is uh, The Great Ronettes and, uh, and Be My Baby. You've heard this song before, but try to guess who's singing in the background with the other two Ronettes. Ronettes' lead singer, of course, Ronnie Spector. Ronnie Spector. And here she is. from 1963 I didn't realize that was so early I was trying I can't tell from the sound of the voices but I was I was just trying to think of who it was my first thought was like Carol King because it was so because she'd be hanging around the Brill building where they recorded it or Ellie Greenwich because she wrote it but honestly I have I have no idea well, it's a neither did I, but or like I, Mama Cass at age like fourteen. Yeah, but. right. Well, I was going to say that it does have the distinction. Uh, Adam mentions nineteen sixty three, uh, which is right in the middle of 
when either one of us were born. I was sixty, late sixty-two. Year later, sixty-four. Um, no, that's Sherilyn Sarkeesian, better known as Cher. Oh wow! Isn't that amazing? She's hanging around with crazy. her her then uh, mentor, Sonny Bono, who worked in the offices for Phil Spector, and then eventually Phil Spector put the two of them together. They became Sonny and Cher. She became his lover, and then uh, the rest is history. She also sings on You've Lost That Love and Feeling. He loved her so much, he had her come back. She was 17 years old. And of course, probably as drop-dead gorgeous as she was when she did that show when we were kids and those crazy outfits. But she always had a very mature voice, as we know. And she went on to sing on a lot of stuff in the background. I looked up a lot of stuff that she sang, and of course she ended up uh, marrying for about 15 minutes Greg Allman. (laughs) She did a record with him. Uh, tons of solo records had had quite a few hits uh, before she became sort of an icon of the gay community and a huge you know uh, uh, middle aged star in the late nineties or early mid late nineties. But Cher had some big hits in the early seventies, um, and then of course the TV show with her husband. But yeah, that's crazy. I would never have guessed. Never, that. never. Well, I, I got something sort of thematically related. Uh, good, good. Which is just just to the uh, the whole teenagers and and kids in the sixties. A, a, a lot, I'm sure a lot of people have seen or heard of the Partridge Family, but what people don't realize about the Partridge Family, oh yeah, is that it was based on a real band, uh, and that's my friend's band. My friend was the baby of the band. Uh, they were called the Cowsills, and they were a musical family of brothers and sisters. And my friend Susan was the littlest Cowsill. Um, and years later, she grew up. Uh, she was in a band called the Continental Drifters. With Peter Holsapple from yeah, post uh, the DBs, Carlo Nuccio was the drummer and another one of the singers. Uh, Vicky Peterson, after she was in the Bangles, was in the uh, Continental Drifters, and they all lived down in New Orleans. And uh, because I used to spend you know a ton of time down there, I became really close friends with those guys, and we used to hang out. I was out at Peter and Susan's house for dinner one night on the Monday after a jazz fest, when I think it's two thousand two or three. Immer and I were out there for dinner with all the Continental Drifters and a couple other friends when uh, the entire city of New Orleans decided to flood. Um, And it started raining, and we got worried that it was raining too hard, and we went to the back to move their equipment up from the basement floor. Uh, And by the time we got to the front, the cars were underwater um, in the street. Uh, And then we got a phone call from uh, the bass player's mother that... They had just moved, he and his new wife had just moved into his mother's house temporarily, and all of their boxes were on the ground floor of her place. And the water was already uh, three feet to four feet high. Uh, and and, and uh, she was afraid the place was going to flood and everything they had would be ruined. So we had to get over there, and me and Vicky and Immer and uh, I think Mark, the bass player, we, we got in... Uh, her SUV and we drove along the neutral ground for about a half mile until we just couldn't get any further because the streets were completely underwater and we walked the rest of the way wading in waist deep water uh, through New Orleans as people went by on canoes and shit that's a classic New Orleans story we're we're walking in the middle of the street because because that's the highest part of the street the middle and a guy goes by in a canoe and he says hey man get the hell out of the middle of the street and I said why he goes because the problem is the manhole covers which are in the middle of the street come up and you don't see them 
So you're walking along and all of a sudden you just disappear and you're sucked into the sewers and you're gone forever because it's just a raging, rushing like Holy rapids in the sewers. Exactly. And you can just walk right over one of those manhole covers and if the manhole covers popped off, you're just going to get sucked right down. You'll be gone. So we move over to the sidewalk. I'm walking along and I bang my foot on something. I'm like, God, Christ. I reach down. It's a bicycle. <laughs> just like it's stuff like that. When we got to his mother's house, there was no way to go in the door because the water was halfway up the front door. So we had to climb in through some windows to move all the stuff. It was quite the adventure. It's a weird thing. You know, you think about the transformation of New York under snow and how different it looks when the streets disappear because of all the white. You know, a really bad blizzard where the streets are actually gone, you know, before they can uh, plow it out. And I'm sure this must happen at your house <laughs> out in the country every day. Yeah. Um, but it's a weird thing to be in a major city and have it transformed by water. Like, it's funny. It was all gone the next – we couldn't get home. You know, we were staying in a hotel downtown. We couldn't get home that night. We stayed on cots and stuff out at Peter and Susan's house. The next day it was all gone. We woke up and it was all gone. It was weird, though. For for a number of hours, the entire city was under four feet of water. And you can just imagine what happened during Katrina when it was a real, yeah, a real yeah, storm. Because this sure. was just really heavy rain all day one day. And it just, you know, New Orleans is actually built under sea level. Yeah, yeah. So That's a floods. Tuesday afternoon in New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it was pretty crazy, though. And... Uh, but anyways, I, I, but as I said to Emmy many, many times during our podcast with him, we do welcome the digression here at the Underwater Sunshine <laughs> sure Podcast. Do. The rant, um, I believe, is how you put it. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I, years after that, Susan called me up because she was making a solo album and she wanted me to sing on it. So I went and met her at a studio here. I'm pretty sure it was in New York. It might have been in New Orleans, though. Um and sang on this song that she'd written. I really loved it. It's, it's me on most of the background vocals, but also on parts of it, it's Vicki Peterson as well, who I was very close with then. Um, so it's me and Vicki singing backgrounds for Susan Castle, who's got this amazing voice. So it's just something so perfect about her voice. You'll hear it, and it'll just, it just sounds like something you know. But she was the youngest Partridge family member. Right. Really, the Cowsills. If you know, listen. If you've ever had a chance to listen to the Cowsills, wonderful harmonies, beautifully done. Did the Cowsills do a version of Hair that became a hit? Yes, that's an amazing version. And of they that have song. another one called "The Rain in the Park" and things. I'll have to look it up while we're listening to the song. But this is from uh, this is Susan Castle from her solo album. It's called "Palm of My Hand." I was willing to fight.
That's that's uh, Susan Cowsill. It's from the album Just Believe It, 2005. Um, I think we recorded it the year before that. It's me and Vicky Peterson uh, singing the backgrounds. Vicky was the lead guitar player and singer for the Bangles, one of the singers. Uh, I mean, there's also Lucinda Williams is also on that record in a few places. And uh, Susan does an incredible version of, of Sandy Denning's song, Who Knows Where the Time Goes. Mm. Which is an, oh, an absolute yeah. knockout version of one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, song. And uh, it's a cool record. It's called "Just Believe It." Uh, I think it was originally going to be called "Promised Land," but uh, and 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 getting back to your vocal there, um, it, it again, it's it's you singing just under her and driving it through. It reminded me very much. I didn't think of it until the very end. It kind of reminds me of what John Lennon did with Paul McCartney a lot. He's there. He's doing the melody. If you pull out McCartney's vocals on some of those early Beatles songs where the two of them are singing together the way you guys are doing there, it's a completely different song, but it's a really good song. So I can see if you pulled her vocal out of there, what you're doing is carrying the song. It's, it's a whole melody in itself. Um, which I'm just, I, what I'm doing is supporting it. I mean, I'm singing a different melody. I'm supporting her vocal. Right. It's a plainer melody than hers, and all of the emotional inflections are a lot of them. Or in her vocal, all the cracks in the voice. You know, when you're doing that, although there's some of mine in there too, I'm really enjoying going round outside. The uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to dinner on those lines. <laughs> I'm like, um, do, do you, for sure. um, do you sing? They'll, I know the answer to this, but just for the people listening, I think I do. Um, are they sending to your headphones her and you're going along with her, or sometimes you'll be on the mic with her? Like so, in some cases, you no. With these, I'm just singing them by myself. Right. So they're running. It. She's in in my head. Right. Um, right. Like with the Peter Stort ones, we we're both singing, but you rarely ever do them on the same mic. It wouldn't make any sense. It's just it, if you're going to do that at the same time, you'd be on separate mics because otherwise you're gonna. Yeah, yeah. You can't cut in and out of it if you right. want to. There's sure. no there's no sense in it. Right. Um, 
What else you got? Oh, I, I guess I'm just have another one that I did here in the house. Um, uh, a lot of the Outlaw Roadshow ones and the you know upcoming Underwater Sunshine uh, friends. It's just because we're all hanging out here. They're on tour. They're staying with me for a few days while they play in New York, uh, and so we're all hanging out. And you know, someone's got a song, and we end up opening up their Pro Tools, and then we're like recording in the that's the in beauty the, of in that. the garden, yeah. you know, or in the case of this one because we we uh, I had an idea for this song. I thought they were the uh, it needed a different kind of guitar part in the solo. I wanted him to do something with it, and uh, so. Uh, it's, we went into we got like my amp and my Fender Jag, and we went into like one of the guest the back bedrooms, and we recorded this guitar part. And while we were in there, I had this idea for a vocal, so we did that too. The vocals here are recorded. My vocals for this song are recorded at the dining room table. Some of them because we were sitting there talking, and we just started doing it. And some of them in the garden over here uh, behind us. And then because we did the guitar solo in the back bedroom, the the final harmonies that I added in the last chorus were done in the back bedroom. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's just like it just happens because we're all hanging around the house for a few days sure. and we're just like someone has something they want to do. And I, I'm just like, well, I'll do it. Right. You know, I'm just a friend of mine working and we ended up recording and I am singing on it. it. So a lot of them, a lot of the ones I've done for friends in the last few years have been done here. Right. Dave Godowski's happened to be at a uh, recording studio in Brooklyn. But a lot of them we've just as like Sean's was just done 10 feet from us. Right. A lot of them were done here. Where we're sitting is actually where we cut all the demos for Somewhere Under Wonderland. We would just put the mic or the iPhone mic. What am I talking about? There was never a mic. The <laughs> iPhone on a pile of books in the table in the middle here. And, and then we would lean over and sing here. it. Or else we were recording over by the piano and Clifton Collins, who's now on Westworld, uh, would just be kneeling between us holding the phone up. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and I was going to say, this takes the, that takes the whole recording in a home to another level. Yes. And, you know, it's great, too, because one of the things I learned from working on Shout It Out Loud, the story of Kisses Destroyer and the American... Uh, the making of an American icon. You can get it now at Amazon. No, anyway. Um, when I was working on that, the cool thing about the interviewing like Jay Messina and Bob Ezrin and all these guys who worked at the record plant is the recording in real rooms with real – every room has a different sound. Every area of a room has a different sound. Does a room have a rug? Does a room have you know, metal on the walls? No metal. All this different stuff. And But then using Pro Tools where you can actually move the whole console all over the place and record. So it's really kind of a cool combination of old world recording, which makes those 70s and 60s records so beautiful. We were just – both of us both just, you know, waxing poetic about Phil Spector's 63 recording there. And then using, you know, the best technology in order to get the best sound. So this is a fascinating Well, the best technology isn't always to get the best sound. One of the things that you get when you have – Versatility? The ability of of this kind of technology that is – the size a recording studio that is basically the size of your computer means that you can take it over to the living room or you can carry it into the back uh, bathroom or bedroom right you know and it allows you to, to actually do some real homemade recording very rudimentary recording what you might want to call analog away is 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 possible because of digital right because you don't have to have a massive tape machine you don't have to pay a ton of money for tape you don't have to have a console that is the size of you know a dining room table two dining room tables right. you can just carry your computer somewhere and it enables you to do a lot of really homemade stuff with recording and also it makes it available to everyone not just the people who have the money to afford a recording studio which is cool Very um cool. yep so the bands a lot of the bands we're playing here are not signed to major labels some of them are we're playing lots of that stuff but a lot of the bands on, on this and the last podcast are just bands who 
They have no record contract at all. Right. They're just making music. But their and their music sounds as good as it would have if they went into the record plant in 1974. Yeah, because they're good. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> and this is one of those guys. This is our friend Kate Phillips, who uh, Kate Phillips and the Concho Pearls opened the tour two years ago, two summers ago, uh, and uh, this is a song that we did. Uh, a few months before that, we were sitting around here because he was on tour playing a couple shows and staying with me with his band, and we recorded this stuff. So this is uh, his song, Hadrian, uh, from the album Dirty Wonder. This is Kay Phillips and me.
All right, I have a few more questions. <clears throat> that was recorded entirely in this apartment or just the vocals? Just the vocals and the lead guitar and the solo and then right. the outro. I made him come around. Well, we did some editing here, though, because <clears throat> I made him bring it around again for the return. I made him do the double chorus and then come back to the chorus again. So we did that by cutting things together here from, nice the, from the take that was there originally. Yeah, that's a great country song. And another side of you, once again, you're not – you're serving the song you're right in there but I can clearly pick you out very distinctive voice that's the whole point of these podcasts is to talk about how singers not only really you know great front men and singers who and in your case emote a certain style within the structure of the band you're in it's a very focal part of the band not just vocal but focal and the, the, then taking that out of that atmosphere and then applying it to other styles of music and then here is country music this is the I mean, there was a lot of country styles uh, to Maria McKee's song that you sang on, and I've and I've heard other stuff you've done that is in that vein. But that is a real courting country song. Sort of, it's not that different from Daylight Fading, though. It just has that pedal steel over the top of it. <clears throat> Correct. It makes it really that way. But you know, the chord pattern is. I mean, the the real feel of that song. You know, it's still electric guitar. And it's yeah, it's not and, outside your your yeah. your comfort zone, but it's a really. Uh, a fine job and a great song and I love his voice I love that kind of country style I love that lyric the second verse yeah what's he say Browning had Browning Shelley had Shelley (laughs) Napoleon had Josephine (laughs) and then there's you (laughs) 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 I mean (laughs) that's just that's just an incredible that's good (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's an incredible, incredible slight yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well and there's you a poetic slight and and anyway good performance of that by the way that was very <laughs> i like how you waited there um all right so i got one uh, i was gonna play something else but we could come to it later on all right so i'm not, everybody knows the voice you'll hear on this and michael mcdonald who uh famously had a solo career in the 80s but famously uh did fronted a lot of really great doobie brothers songs but before that also was a member of well, he's in Steely Dan, isn't he? Oh yes, of course. Yes, yes I'm sorry. Yeah, so he—that's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was—he was. You're right. He was kind of considered a band member because at least four albums he sings on half of the and songs and plays keyboards. I think as well. Uh, yes, he, he does. He's yes. not. So, I mean, yes, he is another. The fact is, he happened to be in this band for a little while, but he's also like he becomes a famous singer later on on his own. So you know, it's, it, I think it works. For yeah, this absolutely. Category. But that's an excellent point you make because. Not only many people knew is what I guess Adam's saying here is that uh, not many people knew who Michael McDonald was when he was on these records. Very distinct voice. It's not like he had a big career that went back. When people go back and listen to these records, the reason why you you threw me for a loop there is that there really isn't a Steely Dan. There's just, you know, um, the two guys and then that's it. And then they bring in whoever could work in the song, but they kept bringing Michael McDonald specifically, yes, for keyboards, but specifically because of his voice. Um, I went through every Michael McDonald song that he said. By the way, I looked it up. I think Michael McDonald sings on background on about 200 songs, and that's <laughs> I'm not a joke. I'm sure. It's insane. But this, I believe, is an excellent version of why he works with this band, how well those guys used him, and... Um, and it's on my favorite Steely Dan record. So I picked it from Katie Lied. And this is um, from 1975. This is uh, Michael McDonald singing with Steely Dan on a song called Bad Sneakers. Bad 
probably stand to hear, including yours and mine, and one more chip who is near. I can see the ladies talking how the times are getting hard, and that fearsome excavation on Magnolia Boulevard. Yes, I'm going insane, and I'm laughing. That's so cool. It is. And I like how he does a lot of falsetto stuff in there and really, uh, compl- again, compliments the song. He's all over that record. I love Katie Lied. I do love Asia, and I saw Steely Dan when they did the uh, reprise of the, at the Beacon Theater here when they did a different record every, every night. And I really should have saw Katie Lied Katie Lied because that's one I listen to, I go back to more as I get older and because it's not overplayed and it, it's not so much in our psyche. Um, and Michael McDonald really does a fabulous job on that record. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a great vocal. It's it's like it's just, I forgot how great a song that is. I, I guess I just forgotten the song, but it's it's such a killer song. It is. It is. All right, I got I got a few that um because like I said, you know, it's funny you were talking about something a minute ago. One of the ways you do this is, is you pick a singer. One of the ways you find out these kinds of things is you just pick a singer, and then you go search 
everything they've done. And then you see, but you can end up with a lot by one guy. And so I, I really did go down a Beatles hole for like about three hours. <laughs> you can. The other day doing this. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this one's really cool. A lot of them are George Harrison background vocals, but it's not just the background vocals. This is a, this is a guy who was in a band in Liverpool called the undertakers that all the guys in, uh, in the Beatles really loved. He was the, the same time as they were there, that he was there. And, Eventually, he, he went solo. His name was Jackie Lomax. Oh, yeah. And he was sure. signed to Apple Records. And he was one of their favorite. At different points, both Paul McCartney and George Harrison produced stuff and wrote stuff for him. Yeah, Jackie Lomax, he tells a great story in that documentary in which he, he was kind of held hostage by the Apple problems uh, you know, um, uh, financially. They wanted to do more with him, and he had so many stockpile of songs, but he couldn't, couldn't get them out because you know there was just – the Beatles were being the Beatles, all that stuff. So yeah. he's a big part of that. Yeah, they loved him. Yeah, they were obsessed with him. And this one, though, yeah, it's it's it's. I want to tell you the band on this because there are background vocal parts as well by George Harrison, which are really cool. Uh, George Harrison also wrote this song, and there's a Beatles demo of it somewhere. But here's the band: the drummer is Ringo Starr. The bass player is Paul McCartney. So this bass, it's a Beatles song. <laughs> the piano player, not quite. Let me get through this because it, it's not what you think. Go ahead. The drummer is Ringo Starr. The bass player is Paul McCartney. The piano player is Nicky Hopkins. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the rhythm guitar is played by George Harrison and uh, Jackie Lomax. The lead guitar is played by Eric Clapton. This is a George Harrison song that he wrote specifically for Jackie Lomax on the album Is This What You Want. This is Sour Milk Sea with oh, yeah. the super group of all super groups yeah. right there. Yeah. The Beatles plus Nicky Hopkins and Eric Clapton with Jackie Lomax singing. Dig this one. Sour Milk Sea.
Great sound. That's a great, very reminiscent sound of the Beatles, what the Beatles were doing at that time and what everybody else was doing. Stones. Um, but that great, like, the interplay between Nicky Hopkins, like, pounding piano and, and, the, and the, the effortlessly, completely rocking Eric Clapton guitar. And he's like, on the piano. That's knockout stuff. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Nicky Hopkins, who had a couple of solo albums, which I have on vinyl, which were very good, uh, was a tragic figure. He was um, uh, very sickly and extremely underrated and underappreciated uh, during his time. Not by musicians, though. He plays on virtually everything. He played yeah. and toured with Joe Cocker. He played and toured with the Rolling Stones. Um, you know, he played uh, on, I believe he plays piano on quite a few early John Lennon solo albums. Um I'm missing other stuff too, but he, he's on a ton. What the, he plays on, on Clapton's first Stones. record. Yes, the classic is. '70s Rolling Stones. A all ton of stuff. him. Yeah, well, yeah, from yeah. from uh, from um, all the way from Sticky Fingers up. He might even be on Let It Bleed. He, he's on amazing shit, and he plays he plays the piano on uh, You Are So Beautiful, I believe. Uh, just fantastic, you know, a guy who was everywhere, but you know, had a serious serious heroin problem and was extremely overly shy. He comes across great. Uh, in a few books that I've read about the Stones um, in which he just never got involved in the hijinks of it all. He was always on the periphery. It reminded me a lot of how you describe Nick Drake as just an alone guy, but so talented and, and adding so much to so many people's uh, music. But anyway, that is a great, great record. And it's amazing how you're finding all these Beatle-related things with well, so many superstars all over the place. I'm going to stick with it for another minute here because yeah, please. this is another. I'm going back to Ringo here because this is, I think, from the album before. Everyone loves to help Ringo. Yeah, this is from the album before Ringo, um, and uh, the band on it. But if you if you actually buy the album Ringo now, I think it's included as a, a one of the bonus tracks along with. Something 1970, whatever that song is called. The one that he wrote about leaving the Beatles. Yeah. Um, anyways, this is, this is from that. The band on this one is uh, Klaus Vorman on bass and Ringo on drums. Gary Wright of Dreamweaver fame oh, plays yes. the keys on this yes. song. Dreamweaver. Um, George <laughs> is back on guitar again, yep. um, as he is on so many of these. Uh, and the background vocals, which are completely killer on this song are uh, Pete Ham and Tom Evans of the band Badfinger. 
another great Apple band, um, and they're everyone's a great singer in that band. I forgot to mention Bad, Bad Finger in our last podcast, but yes, they also recorded three or four records for yeah. for Apple, and yeah. uh, they're. Their vocals are so good on those records. Their harmonies are so good. And here they lend their harmonies to a, a, an ex-Beatles record. And this is a Ringo Starr's song, It Don't Come Easy. Another one oh, of the reasons he had all the biggest so hits after good. Death the Beatles is that for whatever reason, he was writing better songs than everybody else. They are fantastic between Photograph, this. Uh, anyways, this is Ringo Starr. Oh My Mind, I Don't Know Song. The, oh the, my, yeah, the, he did the cover uh, and... Um, there's a couple other a couple of other ones we're missing, but this was a very big hit, and it's such a sweetly phrased song. It's it's so forlorn. This is this is what they tried to get out of him, and I I think to a certain extent they did on Beatles songs like where he sings John Lennon's "Good Night." Um, yeah. on the last track on the White Album. This is the kind of vocals you get on. Well, it. and also you get there's a thing going on in the guitars that like uh, Clapton and. Harrison were really getting into playing together at this, you know, around these years. Yep. They were best friends and because Clapton was in love with his wife. <laughs> but he's also his best friend. And they they play these great guitars together and it's their playing together that works out the the riff for badge. The very yeah. famous riff yes. for badge That's that right. Clapton does, but it's Clapton and uh I don't know if it's George Harrison on that record, although I think it is, but it's Clapton and George Harrison who write that riff together. And the riffing that George Harrison does on this song is very reminiscent of Badge to me. It sounds a lot like it. I agree. Um, the kind of way Clapton was playing. George is an, a completely underrated player in a lot of ways, but one of the things that you'll notice about his playing, and it's going to come up on some other stuff too, is that he invents a completely original way of playing slide guitar, a way that is completely uninflected with blues music. Almost all flat slide guitar without... It just it all automatically it's Elmore, it's Elmore James. It, it automatically derives from blues derivative because right. it just it's hard to it's almost reflexive to do it. The the exception is George Harrison, who comes up with a completely original way of playing melodic slide guitar that has no influence from the blues whatsoever. And it's amazing when you hear the way he plays next to Clapton because Clapton is very blues based. And when they do something like Badge, it brings a melody into the riffing that Clapton's doesn't normally have. And on this song, it don't come easy. George's guitars are the star of the show in a lot of ways. I mean, those background vocals, the band is fantastic. I want to say one more time, Gary Wright from Dreamweaver is the keyboard player here. That's right. Um, and Klaus Vormann, who seemingly played on every song in the world. Yes. But this is, uh, this is and designed the cover of Revolver. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. And, but, and he plays on, which I think is his finest hour, on the Plastic Ono band, which I think is still the greatest uh, Beatle, post-Beatle uh, record. That and band on the run. Uh, with Ringo, due respect. So this is it. Don't come easy, Ringo Starr.
Yeah, a couple other things. When this is playing, I couldn't believe. First of all, this was Ringo's first, and I remember them saying that 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 this was Ringo's take on the Beatles breaking up as well. This song, it's the first song that w- was released as a solo single, and uh, you're right, it's not on any particular. Early album. 1970 is the one that's the Beatles, the song about the Beatles breaking right, up. Right, right, specifically, yeah. but yeah. this whole thing about it don't come easy, which I love. But an early version of this, they they, they recorded at Trident Studios with um, with Stephen Stills playing piano. So it's like everybody wanted to be involved with this. With, wow. with the recordings of this stuff. I kind of want to keep... Uh, that's a great song. And we mentioned that's Bobby Keys on the saxophones there. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Keys, who played with the Stones. He's the sax player on Can't You Hear Me Knockin' and Happy. Also, before that... Like, was, oh, and a, most famously, Brown Sugar. That's one yes, of the great sax solos Delaney ever. and Bonnie band yeah. with Eric Clapton and... Uh, sure. George Harrison are in, I think. He and, toured uh, Mad Dog and... Mad Dog's an Englishman with Leon yeah. Russell. He's on all these records. He's a great yep. sax player. Yep. Because we were just talking so much about George, I want to talk. I want to just play this one more thing because it also relates to that one. Because those background vocals are out of this world from Pete Ham and Tom Evans from Badfinger, and it's not just singing accompaniment that really makes it. That when you're a unique enough player, just your instrument. And on this song, the background vocals are all provided by Badfinger themselves, but the guitar on this song is all George Harrison, the lead guitar. And I want you to hear it because this is what I'm talking about about a. Slide guitar playing that is completely uninfluenced by the blues and completely original and completely his own. And he, this is one of the great rock songs of its time, and he makes it. And I mean, it's it would be it would be great anyways, but it's his guitar playing along with their melodies and their singing that make this song the knockout it is. This is Badfinger from Straight Up, their third album, uh, Day After Day. Oh, phew, yeah.
Yeah, that's one of the great songs from my childhood. That's a fantastic record. So good. Yeah, and that... And well, it's just a part. great song with great harmonies, but yeah. that guitar playing yeah, is... It's... There's nothing like the way George Harrison plays guitar, and I only wish he'd had time to develop some of this style in the Beatles, like to play some of this stuff with their music, because it's not on any of that stuff, really. It's on everything else he does after that, but very little I can think of on any Beatles stuff. I want to go back to it. This is a song that I, I did a, a, few, a bunch of years ago now. Uh, it was originally for a David Lowry solo record, um, but it ended up, uh, ended up on a Cracker record. Uh, called uh, Sunrise in the Land of Milk and Honey. Uh, and I, I, I do love this song. This is, uh, this is Cracker uh, and me, Darling One. <laughs> I'm not used to playing myself. These podcasts, I've completely avoided myself. Yeah, on you have. Yeah. <laughs> until these last couple. I almost decided, I put you on the spot tonight, but I almost did it just to force you, but I was going to put Ryan Adams singing background on the Counting Crows song. I, in this. I have it on my list too, but <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see if we get to it or yeah, not. Okay. Anyways, this is Cracker from Sunrise in the Land of Milk and Honey. That's funny. Darling One. And me. Don't you rest your worries, darling one, 
Yeah, of all the ones we've played so far, you're you're not that prevalent in that song. You're you're like you said when you were telling me as it was playing that you're just completely ghosting him the entire time. Well, I'm parallel to, parallel to David him. almost the entire song, yeah, yeah. and I kind of love the touch-ups it does on it. But you don't even notice it's there if you don't listen for it. Right. But it's adding these little inflections. Because David sings very deadpan at times, and I'm adding all these inflections to his thing. Right. Um, maybe it's just because I come from that band. You know, that's my. Without Cracker, there's no Counting Crows. We would never have been successful. Um, you know, not just because you know, in the uh, Monks of Doom podcast, you know, those guys were all from Camper Van Beethoven, and I idolized Camper Van Beethoven, the band that David Lowry came from. When they split up, he formed Cracker, and. Uh, you know, all of our early tours that meant anything really were opening for them, except for the one with Suede. Um, and, you know, our, we, we owe a lot of our career to those guys. But I'm so used to it. And he the, produced the second record. The third, right. yeah, the Desert third Life. Uh, right. um, with, with Dennis Herring, which is why I asked him, because he's brilliant. Um, but, like, I'm so, like, it just brings up such memories for me, the, like, the metronomic power of, like, the absolute steadiness of David Lowry's acoustic or rhythm guitar playing. That is almost as good as a tambourine. The way he plays it, it's so like, it's such a rhythm instrument. And then the just the perfect, sweet, searing licks after lick from Johnny Hickman on lead guitar. Those things just kill me. I love that band so much. Um, I want to play another one from the Outlaw Roadshow. Um, this is my friend Sean Fogel and his band Golden Bloom. Uh, and Sean and his wife just had a baby uh, about a month ago now. Or in the future, when you hear this podcast, <laughs> about three months ago. Um, uh, but uh, this, this is a right. really beautiful song off of the last Golden Bloom album, uh, Searching for Sunlight, that we recorded, again, right here in the living room, standing next to the piano. Um, it's called Want Love. This is Golden Bloom. <laughs>
Yeah, if I may, that's another excellent example of another range that you're going through. It's different than the last one where you were just yeah. kind of right there paralleling it. Now you're up there doing these really nice, not unlike the the vocal harmonies that um, Matthew Sweet did on the Listen, Listen to yeah. Williams song. It's a much airier thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really nice. I love the guitar sounds in there, and I like what the drummer's doing. I was very distracted for a while with the drummer. He wasn't just laying down a beat. He was doing these really cool kind of conga thing going yeah. on in there. It's really... I love that change to the chorus, too. It's a beautiful written chorus. Like, that... The I don't know what kind of... What the chord changes there, but it, mm. it asks for all these... It's a totally different feel when it gets there, and it opens up into a whole different kind of melody, harmony lines. Did you you just did your vocals here, or he did his vocals here as well? I just did mine here. Ah. No, I mean, no one is fighting to actually record records here. <laughs> it's just that for a while there, I wasn't leaving the house very much, and it's convenient if People I don't leave the here. house to be here. So anyway, so let's let's um, let's can, can we go Bowie yeah, now? All right, yeah. all right. So I want to I want to bring in David Bowie here for a few reasons. Number one, he's a fantastic singer, and number two, a, a fantastic interpreter of different songs now while we were talking prior to the this second podcast and i mentioned to adam the songs i wanted to to bring in that i didn't want to challenge him to guess bowie came up certainly on he sings on mata hoople's all the young dudes which he wrote and i brought up his ridiculous otherworldly and if we don't get to it in this podcast i'm sure we'll play it sometime in the future but do yourself a favor after we play these songs and go find Satellite of Love off Transformer by Lou Reed because what he's doing on that is stupid scary. It's crazy. And they did a um, classic albums documentary on it a few years ago, and they uh, soloed 
just his background vocals on Satellite of Love, and it's it's crazy. I mean, that song, it's a great song, don't get me wrong, but it's not that song without David Bowie doing his David Bowie thing. Um, so, and he also did uh, quite a few other songs, certainly, but the, the there's two. I want to play one in which someone sings on the background and ended up becoming a famous soul center, singer later. But first, I'd like to play a song by Arcade Fire off their Reflector album, the title track from 2013. The way the story goes is they recorded it in New York City. And Bowie, unbeknownst to me, even though after he passed right here in New York City, uh, a lot of stories came out about him hanging around in delis here and going around and just being a total New York guy the last 10 years of his life, embracing it the way John Lennon did. And Bowie, just like them, found out he was recording, went to the studio, knocked on the door and said, can I sing on something? And they played him a bunch of songs and he said, I love Reflector. I've got ideas for that. They said, you're David Bowie, you have ideas, go. And he came up with this. So this is David Bowie being David Bowie uh, in 2013 for a a really great song called Reflector. By the Arcade Fire. Here we go.
But the great thing about Bowie, too, is that he had the ability, I believe, to bring the best out of everyone around him uh, in recessions. And the, the cool thing about this particular song that I want to play is it was his soul period. And he had done quite a few records that got him on. You know, he's famously the first uh, white singer to go on Soul Train and uh, cross over the way he did. But he put together a really great uh, funk band, you know, funky soul band for his Young Americans record and that tour. Was it and, Earl Slick on guitar? Yeah, and, yeah. Who's the Who's the rhythm section? Uh, that's a great question. I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, who's on that record? Oh, Carlos Alomar. Is the guitar player on a lot of it. Willie Weeks and Andy Newmark yeah, are the bass player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, it's a completely different style and a completely different direction as as was his wont, uh, especially in the seventies. But I specifically wanted to play this because earlier we played Michael McDonald singing with Steely Dan, and he wasn't yet famous, and then uh, ended up having a solo career and singing lead singing with. Um, the Doobie Brothers, but Luther Vandross, who had a great career in the 80s, is one of the, the fantastic soul singers and a wonderful producer. He produced a lot of different acts. Uh, and his first real break was singing on this record and this song in particular, which when we play it, it's so funny we're playing it in the same podcast as, as Phil Spector. This particular record, Young Americans, sounds amazing no matter where. It could yeah. be on an AM record, on a, you know, on a little headphones, on a giant speakers. It's just a beautifully sounding It's song. really this Philly soul thing he's doing, too. It's not so much the Detroit or the Memphis version. Right. He's really, you know. Like the Daryl Hall. Jones yeah, that slightly thing. glossier yeah. Philly soul that's also uh, Harold Melvin. The OJs. Blue Notes, the OJs. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It's really cool, though. The Young Americans is a great song, and Luther Vandross's vocals on here are out of this world. And you could absolutely hear him. I yeah. mean, if you know his later, later on in the 80s when we looked back and we said, wow, you know, to get Luther Vandross to sing back up on your. I mean, I know you're David Bowie, but I mean, that's what that's like getting Aretha Franklin to sing on the back here, right? Yeah. Anyway, Young Americans, David Bowie from 1975. Young and 
watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV. Harry, Mark, and John. Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. Satellites gone up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. I watched it for a I love to watch things on TV. We had we we had to play that. Uh, that was uh, we just threw in from the album Transformer. That's uh, Lou Reed with Satellite of Love. It's his first solo album after leaving the Velvets and a second. Pro- oh, second, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. produced by David Bowie, and yes. he sings and he sings backgrounds on it. If you want to call them backgrounds, it's a fucking cathedral. It's a symphony, it's toward the choir of of Bowie that just <laughs> appears out of that blooms out of that song. Well, it, he stays there. He does a, the bum bum bums, which are fantastic. And I know that for a while there in the nineties, uh, Bono used to throw "Satellite of Love" in the middle of songs the yeah. way you do with songs, and he would do the bum bum bum, and it really brought it back. So that's serving the song. And then at the last in the coda in the fade out, it just becomes a Bowie song. Period. I mean, there's no way Lou Reed came up with that. That is totally Bowie. Oh, it's, it's magnificent. Uh, it's incredible. It's amazing. And I just want to mention also we did a couple of things about Young Americans on the way out. Uh, we didn't mention, and I noticed it right away, and I was like, who the hell is playing sax on that? And, of course, it's the great David Sanborn, who my brother will kick my ass if I don't mention because he loves David Sanborn. And, um, and also – I love the fact – I looked it up. Luther Vandross not only sang the background vocals, but he did all the vocal, background vocal arrangements. So I'm wondering if it was his idea to do the um, 
Uh, I heard the news today, oh boy. That part where they oh, yeah. do a little bit of a day in the life because Bowie was hanging a, a, around a lot with John Lennon. This was during John Lennon's long, you know, lost weekend. Lennon gave him fame and plays and sings on it. And then Bowie also covers Across the Universe, a Beatles song yeah. from Let It Be, which we were talking about earlier on this record. So there's a lot of like Beatle, John Lennon things in there. But Luther Vandross not only sang back up and joined the, the band uh, in the studio, but he's credited with the vocal arrangements. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, they are very, very cool. Last one from me before we play. Well, I definitely want to play the uh, Dashboard Conventional song because those guys, that, that, that. Psst. Talk about the one we're going to play. Oh, sorry. So we'll play. <laughs> Let's, this is how we waste time. Exactly. Talking about a song we're not about to play before we play it. Just talk about the one we're going to play. <laughs> so the last one I want to play. <laughs> Uh, is this part of the podcast? You and Emmer and me, we do welcome the rant, the digression. I do. <laughs> so this, yeah. So this last one I want to play is uh, Warren Zevon from the first record. A couple of weeks ago, we played the couple of podcasts. A while ago, we played the live version of Muhammad's Radio with that great band Boulder from the uh, Stand in the Fire. But this is from the very first Warren Zevon record, and I mentioned this. Stevie Nicks invented this harmony, invented this vocal part that my beautiful niece and talented. Uh, niece Sydney Lee Carlson does with me when we do it and it's gorgeous and it's a wonderful song by Warren Zevon Muhammad's Radio from the very first Asylum uh, Zevon record Everybody's restless and they got no place to go Someone's always trying to tell them something they already know. So their anger and resentment flow. But don't it make you wanna rock and roll all night long? Mohammed's radio. I heard somebody sing. problems too He will surely take them out on you In walks the village idiot and his face is all aglow He's been up all night listening to Mohammed's radio Trying to make ends meet Work all day Still can't pay The price of gasoline And me Alas, their lives Are incomplete Don't it make you Want to rock and roll All night long Mohammed's radio 
thinking uh well hey that's that's great i just love that song although i do like the live version better me too um this is my friend jeff's favorite song and it's one of my favorite uh background vocals i've ever done uh because it's um chris caraba who i love and i love dashboard confessional called me up and asked me to sing on one of their records um we did it here in new york and i'll tell you the funny thing about this is it completely didn't need me like, he sent me a demo version of it with a lot of these background vocals on. I mean, I did make some new things up myself. But a lot of it was stuff he was already doing on there. And it was so good that when I got there, I, I asked him, are you sure this is even worth doing? Because it, it was such a good song without me on it. Um, but I do think I added something to it. But I can tell you right now that, like, I really asked him the question in all honesty. Because my feeling was that his vocal was so good on it. And his background vocals and harmonies that he put on it were so good on it that I didn't see why it needed me on it at all. In the end, I did come up with a bunch of stuff. Um, but I had a lot of doubts about doing it. It's my friend Jeffrey's absolute all-time favorite song, I think, though. Of all um, time. He just loves this song so much. It's a great, great song. It's my favorite thing that you did background vocals on. There's a couple of things yeah. on the Ryan Adams al- uh, album, and, and obviously the things you just played the, <laughs> are amazing. Uh, and I, but I had never heard them before. But before this, when we first started this, I said... You know, Adam had said he was doing the session, so I said, you know, I want to do stuff that you did background vocals for. And I wasn't sure if you'd embrace it or not, and you have, which is great. You've introduced some excellent stuff to a lot of fans of not only Counting Crows, but great music. But you played me this in the early days when we were working on the book to give me an example of working with other musicians. And I just was so blown away by this. I played this for weeks afterwards because I just love the song, and I really do love what you're doing in here. Well, yeah, I think it turned out really well. And it's it's what I love most about doing background vocals is where you and a friend – just create something new and cool together. Like I said, this song was great before I was ever on it. And he had all kinds of extra vocals, some of which I took over singing, some of which we left with him. Uh, and his lead vocal is... Yeah. But I mean, there was there was some stuff angelic. I added. But, it, but, but like I said, I wasn't sure it needed anything. It was so good already. But I'm a huge fan of his. I just saw him last week. We went to his show. I, I'm a huge Dashboard Confessional fan. I, I really just want to do a tour together so we can hang out all summer. summer. Yeah. Um, and you turned me on to quite a few of their, their records, and, I, and they are great. They're a great band. They, check them out, absolutely. And, they, and, and he was on the cover of the Aquarian Weekly. I just found out this past week, too, since they came into New York. So Yeah, and they were great, too. But this is from the album Dusk and Summer, and this is Dashboard Confessional. So long, so long.
slip of the wrist and I'm waving it goodbye. Drive past the lifeguard stand where I'd sit around waiting for you to remember.
So the, we got to play one more song, I guess. I wanted to talk a bit about. Uh, I don't know if a lot. I, I think some people know this. Uh, at one point uh, in like 2003 or 2004, uh, there was a Dutch band called Bluff that we recorded some songs with. They wanted to do a version of Holiday in Spain, and they're a very uh, kind of Counting Crows of, of Holland. They uh, they're a very big Dutch band. They write their own songs. They're they really are pretty brilliant. Um, and they're huge there, uh, but they sing a lot in Dutch, uh, and so you know it's not the kind of crossover that a lot of Dutch bands have had, like Betty Severed or. Um, but they really are a superb band, and I we went over there, Immer and I, and we did a version of Holiday in Spain in Dutch and in English, and it was a massive hit over there. Uh, and I love it. It's a completely different vocal arrangement for me. I'm I'm singing both the leads at times and backgrounds at other times. Uh, their fantastic singer, Pascal Jacobson, uh, sings also verses and choruses in Dutch at times. And we intertwine around each other. And it's a very cool thing. But about a, a year later, it was actually for my... It was my 40th birthday, so it was like a year, yeah, about a year later. They came over to America. I had a costume party for my 40th birthday, and the entire band Bluff came in mariachi outfits. <laughs> As a mariachi band, they were it was amazing. <laughs> but that week, Immer and I also went with them into Electric Lady Studios, and we recorded another song, and we filmed we recorded these acoustic versions of both of them in this loft here in New York that they filmed for this album they were doing over there. The other song we did, having done a song of ours in Dutch and English, we did a song of theirs in Dutch and English. And it was a song that Peter had just written, their bass player who writes a lot of the material. And he sent it to me in Dutch along with a translation. And he said, I know this translation won't work as lyrics, but with this in mind, can you write a song that goes with it? Can you write verses for this song in English, keeping in mind generally what it means in Dutch? And I was like, absolutely. But it was harder than I thought at first. But I did it, and I really enjoyed doing it because it was it presented some unique challenges, uh, not just writing English lyrics to someone else's songs with a vague idea of what the song was about and and making them my own. But I also tried to use words in English at times that sounded the same as the words in Dutch, or that at least rhymed with the words in Dutch, so that when we co- when we uh, came together, this is mostly in the choruses. So when we came together to sing, even if Pascal was singing in Dutch. That my word would rhyme and harmonize with him, Holy even if it was a different crap. word a couple times. You know, so Jeez. I was trying to write words that work with the Dutch words, <laughs> which mean different things. You know, <laughs> but it sounded a- alike, so I could harmonize with them, and they would come together at moments, like as they overlapped, we, so we could weave our vocals in and out of each other and make it work. And it's pretty cool. It's a, a little bit of a lo-fi recording. It's the only one I have here. Holy, ma- I was going to say that this is the vocal equivalent of when Hendrix decided I'm going to play a backwards guitar track. But I'm not going to play it backwards. I'm going to play it to the backwards track and then roll it forwards. Yeah. Uh, whatever. You know what I mean? It, yeah, I don't know how you do that. How? how? It was really cool. It was, it was hard. But once I got into Bet. doing it, I was looking forward. It, I mean, it's not, that hasn't happened in a ton of places, but that was just one of the concerns. All right, cool. And I really enjoyed it. It seemed only fair because having done a song of ours in Dutch and English, it seemed like we should do a song of theirs in Dutch and English too. Uh, By the way, is this a, is that version of Holiday in Spain? Can people get that? Is that something yeah, they can hear? There. It's out there. It might be a little hard to find. We can play it on a podcast sometime too. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. I that actually really love cool. it, and I love playing it with them because I love the different part. I came up 
a lot of the changes I've made to my melodies and the verses of that song yeah. are changes I made on that recording when we did it over there. Oh, so now you do it that way. But yes. But there's also an entirely different outro to the song that has nothing to do with our ending that weaves together that is incredible. And I love it so much. Where I give Pascal the leads on the, on the, on the chorus going out. I don't take it at all. And I'm singing a completely other counterpoint part that I wrote for that Holiday in Spain. But this is the other song. I want to play because uh, sure. it's not really it's kind of a background vocal it's kind of not uh, it's called Venom on September which means in Dutch some words I don't know in September <laughs> uh, I wish I knew what Venom means <laughs> but really I'm sure someone out all. there does and maybe during this I'll get my translator out on my phone and I'll tell you all what it means by the end but this is uh, <sighs> CC meets Bluff or uh, me and Emma really with the guys in Bluff uh, and it's called Venom on September Koopt haar bloemen zelf. Ze hoopt dat al de lente aankomt waar. Maar diep van binnen weet ze wel dat ze verwelken in hun hand omdraaien. Dat het water troebel wordt, dat ze hun hoofd laten hangen. The color of anything is buried underneath the smell of sunlight And the wound that lies beneath hides the bitter truth that drowning In a bed of blooms is better than the lies that slide from singers In the songs that slip their teeth Maggots vallen van de avond Verlangt hij naar een spoor Van een belofte in haar woorden Dat weet hij wel En de dagen blijven rennen De kalender is een spel Het is wennen aan september Al zo snel Kijken naar elkaar en ze vrijen met hun ogen wijder open dan ze ooit hebben gedaan. Voor haar voelt het als hoop, maar ze ziet aan het voorhef weer een kwestie van noodzaak door de stilte naar Summer's falling down And the sun is on the ground Falling upon a pile of photographs The days flame out In the dark among the ashes On this calendar go round I got older in September There's no way out Eight, 
lights go down And the lights go down I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how many podcasts we're in now because we're recording these all over the place and shifting them around 15, 16. That has to be the gem. That has to be the, the hidden gem of all of our podcasts. I, I just can't. That is so cool. Isn't that a great song? On so many levels. First of all, it's just a great song. It's yeah. a beautiful melody. What you're doing there is spectacular, I think, uh, because of how what you just the story you just told. But also, his vocal is just so... I don't even... Obviously, don't know what he's singing. But again, just like uh, an earlier song we played... It doesn't even matter. The emotions just go across language barriers. And I've always wondered how, you know, in your, li- your live record and so many of, uh, others over the years for so many English-speaking acts that go to other countries, like your live record in Germany or what's the one that you guys do? No, it's in Holland. Holland. Amsterdam. They were all there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah that's oh, a, the, and, and you're singing these songs and people are singing along with you. And I'm thinking, how do they even know the language? But it doesn't matter because the emotions of the song, the music, gets across. So I'm listening to this thing in a completely different language, and I don't even know what he's singing. And even your vocals are very, very unique within the structure of it. It's In other words, you, I think, and I'm just speaking from hearing it for the first time, is that you listen to his singing and then affected your singing to fit into the structure. Oh, yeah. It's so it's different. It's you, but it's different. Anybody out there has to listen I mean, and say, "Wow, that sounds like Adam," but that's a different. And he's a great singer too, and an icon, a cultural icon over there, really. Um, but very, very different from me in the kind of singer he is. But, but so emotional, anyways. And I, they're like some of my favorite people on earth. Those guys, they're they're fantastic, and I love. They started a festival of their own years ago called Concert at Sea. And it's a two-day festival, and we've done it several times where we've headlined one day and they've headlined the other. Two times ago, they played right before us on one day, and we headlined it. Last time we went there, we played right before them, and they headlined it. Uh, you know, it's like 60,000 people uh, right by the water. It's incredibly beautiful. And you're in this small town in Holland, uh, and the, the hotel, they just take over this hotel, this, like, tiny little hotel there. And uh, it's for, like, three or four days. It's nothing but you and them. And, and, and other people that are playing the festival or working the festival, it's just like, it's kind of like camp. And it's amazing. Yeah. One year we played Pink Pop in the afternoon, drove across Holland. The year we headlined, we played Pink Pop on the early slot in the afternoon, drove across Holland to Concert at Sea, and then headlined Concert at Sea that night. I mean, it's not a huge country. You can do that. Right, right. But That's it still was cool. really cool. You, yeah. you want to hear that holiday in Spain? I really do. Okay, I'll play it for I'm sure, you. I'm sure a lot of people I, are applauding now because they're like, why make us wait? I really do want to hear it. And I want to say also that, uh, to get it right, it's a Counting Crows Live in Amsterdam, I think is the record, right? Isn't it's that called, it? um, it, I'll, I'll think of it on the way there. I can't believe we can't. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I wanted to point out that this is not Counting Crows playing these songs. This is Bluff, the band Bluff, the four-piece, plus me and Emmer. But it's Bluff playing. Now, you've often said to me that your songs you find – uh, are hard to cover because not a lot of people cover them. Uh, and this is an example of someone not only covering it, making it their own, and then... It's one of the few covers I've ever really loved and it's done in a different language. <laughs> um, you know, no, they make it their own and then we join up on it and make it a whole other thing So together. you're singing, it's you and Ember playing on this as well? Yes, it's the same exact group of people. It's the four guys in Bluff uh, 
and me and Emmer. And now what we're, what we're about to hear is the one that became a really big hit over there. Yes, a, a huge hit over there. Excellent. And I love this song. It's one of my favorite Counting Crows songs from, uh, from Hard Candy. And uh, this is... Holiday in Spain with Bluff. Ik kan nergens heen, maar in het zuiden wacht een vrouw nog steeds op mij alleen. Ze heeft flessen vol tequila en flessen vol gin. En dan neem ik mijn gitaar mee en mijn gouden ring. Er zijn vliegtuigstoelen, miljoenen bij bedoeling. En bovendien zijn er limousines. En er zijn leugens over sterren die we toch nooit zien misschien. Neem ik Spanje als besluit en laat mijn schepen achter. Ik ga er stiekem tussenuit, een vluchtweg naar een nieuw begin. Hop on my choo-choo, I'll be your engine driver in a bunny suit. If you dress me up in pink and white, we may be just a little fuzzy potted later tonight. And she's my angel, she's a little better than the one that used to be with me. Cause she likes to scream at me, man it's a miracle that she's not living up in a tree. Take a holiday in Spain Leave my wings behind me Drive this little girl insane And fly away to someone new Everybody's gone They left the television screaming That the radio's on Mijn schoenen zijn gejat Maar ik hoef niet meer naar buiten Want er is nog wel wat Well happy new years baby We could probably fix it If we clean it up all day Or we could simply pack our bags We gaan meteen naar Barcelona Want we moeten hier weg Misschien neem ik Spanje als besluit. Laat me schepen achter. Ik ga er stiekem tussenuit. Een vluchtweg naar een vuurvier. Ik neem Spanje als besluit. Laat me schepen achter. Ik ga er stiekem tussenuit. Vluchtweg naar een Geef me de tijd om mezelf te vinden 
one that ends on the same chord. Oh, that's so beautiful. Can you tell me? That is so beautiful. I, it's so great. Well, first of all, I love that song. Uh, props to you for writing it and Kelly Crows for recording it in the first place. But they, that ending is so great. You're not kidding. What are you singing there? Do you remember what you're singing there? Um, yeah. Um, uh, is it reflective of the theme of the song or are you just going off there? Yeah, the lyric I'm singing that winds in and out of his Dutch version of the chorus at the end is uh, making the best of all that's left to me. All the lies she said just seemed to break me. Most of the time, rewinding the lines, I'm taking a day to get out of the way, making my way back home to you again. Uh, all the lines she said, I think. That's cool. So it's reflective of the original theme of the song. And the whole album, really. Yeah. yeah. The idea of the memories and everything we talked about with Hard Can. That's good stuff, man. It's a cool song. It really is. It is a cool song and a great version of that. Wow. And done with such solemnity and emotion, um, depth. Bravo again. I, I, that's great. I'm so glad you played those two songs. Wow. Uh, this has been a great couple of podcasts here. It's funny. Of all the awards we've ever won in our career, there's only one I really give a shit about. And it's right next to you on that table. Uh, and it's the Edison that we won for uh, in Holland with Bluff. Oh, yes. That's and why you guys so you get up there to check it out to make sure. That yeah, was because the I was one. like, where is that? Because A, it's a really cool award. B, it's called the Edison. And C, I won it for doing a song with my friends. That's really great. And I think it's the only time they've ever made. They, they give out one statue of it every year. Um, That's so cool. And they made an extra one for me because Bluff begged them to. So Aww. they could give one to me too. They've won it a couple times. It's like the uh, the best one. I don't know. I don't know how exactly it works, but I'm I'm just I'm very proud of that because that's cool. It's a beautiful statue. Yeah, beautiful. It looks like a gentleman leaning up uh, next to an old gramophone. Bluff has won seven times from 2000 to 2009, including five awards for best group in Holland. Um, I, I've been sitting next to this thing for a year and a half, and I never noticed it. But it's very beautiful. Yeah, it's very cool, isn't it? All right, that's enough for today. That's enough for today. I'm chewing on my glasses again. We should stop. Uh, this is part two of the... Well, we'll have to come up with something. This is the most I've ever played of myself in one of these podcasts. I don't think I've ever touched playing myself in a podcast before. Anyways, this has been the Underwater Sunshine Podcast. I am half of your host, Adam Duritz, and I'm also here with my friend and the other half of your host... Yes, the very happy James Campion, because I got to hear my, my pal singing today and, uh, and last week as well. Thanks for indulging us on this one. And I think uh, we could probably come back in a couple of podcasts and do another one of these. There's so many great background there vocal really performances by great singers. And you as well, my friend. So thanks again for listening and for all your great comments everywhere on the, on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it, man. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye. Peace. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> yeah, that's good.